Hey, hello, and welcome to Yogmoth Soap Opera, the classic uh, podcast brought to the community from the community. This week we are at episode 54, one down, eight to go. And uh, your two co hosts are George, me, Whippy Penguin, and Zach, the Hoff slash Abstract. What is up, my brother? Oh, you know, another another week, another classic event, oddly enough. This one is a player-run event, though, and an excited one, too. Is your deck choice Freudian? I'm, I have no idea what you mean. Like, it's Mize Grow. Do you feel like you're a short guy and you want to grow taller? No, I figured I don't know what to play. Mize well play Grow. Alright. I, I mean... What would the Freudian be for you, your Mai's Oath? Maybe I need to make more commitments. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we're both signed up for uh, Mog's Season 4, Spring Into Action. Uh, I am playing the Grow deck that we talked about a little bit last week. Um, some things that you may not have noticed just in looking at it, but there are 33 instant and sorceries in this deck. So your Delver of Secrets has a better than fifty percent shot of flipping every turn. Something that I don't I don't think we mentioned last time. That's pretty crazy. So wait, you get six, seven, eleven, twelve, sixteen, seventeen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-five, twenty-eight, thirty-two, thirty-three. Alright, that's not bad. That's a lot. It the Delver rarely does not flip, because even when you, even sometimes if it doesn't flip the first turn, then you ponder or you brainstorm and set up the flip on the second turn. Would you say that this is possibly one of the decks that is more susceptible to a turn one wasteland? Um, I mean, it, it definitely only has six hard lands in the deck with eight fetch lands, so wasteland is not great. Turn one, though, I think that if I go, if you mulligan correctly with the deck, you're playing either Quirion Dryad with the help of a Lotus Petal or Delver of Secrets on turn one. See, that's kind of what I'm wondering, though. If you play the Delver and not a Brainstorm or a Ponder, does that, like, put you in a bind? If I, well, if I play the Delver, the opponent's much less likely to wasteland my land on the first turn. Well, I'm a butt face. Why don't we go through your deck uh, on a micro level before we talk about this so we can let the viewers catch up with what we're talking about. All right, so the creatures, there are nine creatures. Four Quirion Dryads, which get a plus one, plus one counter whenever you play a non-green spell. Uh, four Delver of Secrets, which, as most people know, flips into a 3-2 if you reveal an instant or sorcery card on the top of your deck. And at common, and, and, which is totally retarded. I have no idea what Wizards was thinking, but thank you. And Wizards didn't think it was even going to be that good. But uh, my last creature is a Grim Lava Mancer, and I kind of, you know, wanted a recurring Delver of Secrets killer in my deck. And I think that Grim Lava Mancer is pretty good. Fair enough. So, and then if you look to the right before you go down to the spells, I've got 14 lands. There's eight fetch lands and then six dual lands that produce red, green, and blue. Um, it's a very low mana count. My only other mana are four lotus petals. However, the deck functions off of one and two mana very well and uh, leans on Gush 
to make third and fourth mana land drops. Very cool. So I've got uh, four Gitaxian Probe, which are free. I've got the four Metal Misstep, and then the four Force of Wills, and one Misdirection that are all free pitch spells that I don't need uh, need mana to play, and interact favorably with Queer and Dryad. Uh, there's also two Days as well. Um, the Days and the Gush help get around Wastelands and Strip Mines. Uh, you may have to not time your Gushes the way you want to. Like, let's say you have two lands on the board and you want to attack with your Dryad. It's probably incorrect to Gush if they have a Wasteland on the table. Or if you suspect they do, uh, thanks to a Gitaxian Probe. You're just going to want to wait for them to play the Wasteland and try and blow up one of your lands. Um, I've got a smattering of, uh, what's it called? Permanent removal. There's one Nature's Claim, there's one Ancient Grudge, and one Deglamour. And I think we talked about the Glamour last week, but it gets rid of Blightsteel Colossus. It's the only thing in my deck that can. Okay. Um, a couple of Lightning Bolts, and then the Artful Dodge, which I'm a big fan of. And then on top of the Gitaxian Probes, it has... Four brainstorm and I believe three ponders in this build. Yeah, very cool. I think I think ponder is going to make a resurgence. Um, the more I play with it, the more I realize it is really just a nice card. Um, the filtering mechanism without the uh, fetch land is is really a nice, I guess, addition to the card. I like it a lot. Sometimes it's and that's a key reason that I'm playing it in this deck because I don't have many lands. Yeah, you know, sometimes I have to just shuffle with the ponder. Yep. Um, I I was tempted to play three brainstorm and four ponder, but I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to myself. Yeah, and you still have eight fetches. Um, and then in my sideboard, uh, I think I think the sideboard's pretty good for the event. Um, there's only two dredge decks, so maybe my ravenous traps aren't so great, but at least it's only four slots that are completely devoted to dredge. Um, I like my Graf Stiggers cages, and I like my Mind Break Trap, and uh, I guess there's only one Affinity deck and one Workshop deck, so my grudges are kind of dead. Uh, I wouldn't say dead if you get either one of those guys that are totally live, right? Yeah, I suppose if I do get one of those opponents, they're live, but my probability of getting them is pretty low with only two uh, copies in the event. Yeah, understood. Alright, so cool, yeah. That's about it. It looks pretty fun, dude. It makes me kind of want to give it a shot and run through it. It definitely seems like it can do the trick, grow your guys up, and then cheat them across the border. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it looks good on paper, and it plays even a little bit better than it looks. Very cool. So you're taking this one down? Uh, as long as I can avoid the uh, Merfolk matches, I think maybe I am. Uh, I like tough, I like its chances. Merfolk would be tough, but with like stuff like Lightning Bolt and Grim Lava Mancer, that, that gives you a little bit of reach. It does, but they <laughs> have more unblockable guys than I do. Yeah. Un understood. <clears throat> well, you say that, you could always pull crazy tricks with Gush, you know. This is this is true, but I almost never have my creatures untapped. Ah, uh, yeah. So that is the one good thing about um Queer and Dryad, because even if I, they've got like two or three guys on the other side of the table, my Dryad gets to 6-6 six, six, and 7-7 seven, seven pretty quickly. Yeah, I can see that. 
So, uh, and that's that's it for me. And uh, what are we running for you there, Zach? I am running um, just an oath variant that you and I talked about here. Uh, the day before it was submitting time, I said I wanted to run something with main deck Elish, which is, I think, a little bit of a, a change from the norm. Um, I think still people prefer to play creatures like uh, Emrakul with the Dragon's Breath. And what I was going for here was a little bit more consistency. And uh, basically having every card do something really good. Um, so the card value in this deck, as we were talking about, is pretty high. I mean, even like the Singleton Ponder, if you look at it, it might look pretty unassuming. But digging three deep in a card in a deck with this many Singletons and like just cards that are basically going to get something that's going to win the game is a pretty good deal. Um, and the other the other good thing about Ponder is it lets you cheat on your land just a tiny bit. Yeah. Well, that's that's the other thing is. George had a deck that he was running originally that was kind of like the shell of this. And I was asking him, I'm like, well, what about the really po problematic lands? And we kind of figured out a way to take out some of the cards. Like, I think we had a couple Swords to Plowshares in there and an extra Tundra. There was a Volcanic and Ancient Grudge, and there was an extra, um, I don't remember what the other one was, maybe a Underground Sea? But uh, they, Well, there was originally two Tundras... Two Trops, two Volks, and two Cs. Oh, yeah, but what I'm saying is there's two... There's still two Trops and two Cs, and I only see the... Oh, it was two Volcanics, all right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, it was, it was you know, it was a little bit different. It didn't have the land destruction, and, and we'll, we'll tell you we went a little bit further with that in the sideboard, but for the main deck, our, our win conditions are basically a pretty slow 4-7, or, um, you know, the ubiquitous 12, 12, or 11, 11, in fact, indestructible Blightsteel Colossus. Um, that's just always a house. Um, Spell-wise, we had uh, two Jace the Mind Sculptors for alt-win conditions, along with the Vault Key combo, and, uh, you know, some other stuff. I mean, they might not look like it, but if you get somebody in that Vault Key combo and most of your deck's gone, including, like, your two creatures, you could win off a of Beast Within, you know, Beast Within, one of your own lands, and... Uh, Take it to the distance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the deck is pretty unassuming. It has four Lotus Petals for a little bit speedier starts and, and options there. Like a Turn 1 Oath or a Demonic Tutor is a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, the balance, I mean, is, the balance is pretty good, which not a lot of Oath decks play. I like the balance. I mean, that's one of my favorite cards of all time. I, I think it's... Uh, it's pretty solid in a creature-dominated meta, which we're in now. I mean, look at all the Snapcasters and Delvers and blah, there, blah, blah. There are 11, 12, I think there are 13 or 14 decks that are trying to exclusively win with small creatures in this uh, event. Oh, man, that makes me happy to run Elish. I, I would say so. Um, yeah, and the, the, only, the only thing I hate about Elish is... You know, number one, it's a four-seven, which is pretty unassuming. But number two, I hate that feeling when you got to flip it and you need it to be Elish or you lose. Yeah, well, I suppose in post-board games you could sideboard out the Colossus. Yeah, I mean that's so risky though. If it's in like the bottom four. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I mean, that is the one problem with Elish Norn is that you have to attack four or five times with her. However, if you Get the expected matchups, which I think you're you're going to. I mean, even your round one is an expected matchup. 
You could have Elish Norn on the table for 15 turns and still just win the game. Yeah, I mean, possibly. So, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of excited. And then in the sideboard, we went really, um... We went deep. Yeah, it, it was a little bit more, uh, I guess, targeted in what we wanted to do. We Our last cards we added were the Spell Snares. They were kind of like two slots at 13 and 15. Looking back, George, one of the cards that I'm actually kind of thinking about that maybe we should have added because this matchup is going to be tough is going to be Terastodons. Uh, they were in my original sideboard. I know, I know. And we, we, I mean, Spell Snares nice. It's definitely a card that I'll bring in in some matchups. But I'm just thinking against like that red uh, Goblin Welder deck. Uh, the, the Red Workshops deck? Yeah. Anyway, what can you do? Um, the other cards that we brought in, I, I really like Liliana the Veil. I've been playing a lot of uh, Legacy BUG. Uh, it's blue, black, green, and it's kind of like Deed Still with Jace's. It's my old standby. One of the new things that it does is it runs uh, Liliana the Veil along with Jace and uh, Life from the Loam. And Liliana is a beatdown with a Jace. It's like, not only do you get that card advantage a turn where you get one more card than the other guy, but he's going to have no cards in his hand in about three or four turns. And by that time, you can either uh, kill half his table, his choice, or, you know, start making him sacrifice anything he brings, you know, that's big enough to survive. So, that's I really like that combo, especially together, but also, you know, with either piece, Liliana and uh, Life from the Loam or Liliana and Jace. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, uh, we also have the typical stuff, you know, Leyline of the Void, Hercules Recall, um, have Flusterstorm for the, you know, real heavy blue controller storm decks, and, um, yeah. Um, yeah, and the funny thing about the two Lilianas and the extra Jace is I said, how do you want to be Graph Digger's Cage? And he's like, Planeswalkers. Yeah. I like Planeswalkers a lot. I don't know, it's, it's, I really deviated from when I started, dude. I don't know um, how much you got from me before, like, Lorwyn, but I was not a fan of Planeswalkers at first. I I was like, these are kind of lame. It's like, it doesn't add much to the game. As far as, I like... I think they're nifty. Now I love them, but you have to, you know, it's it, it was a big change for... I, I was playing since, you know, Unlimited, so... Yeah, no, I, I understand. I I kind of loved them when I, first, when I first saw them, but not everybody did. Yeah. Well, you know, they grew on me, so speaking, what can I say? Speaking of new Planeswalkers, have you seen the two that have been spoiled for Avacyn Restored? Well, I saw one of them, I think. To get off topic a little bit? The double red one? The double red one's pretty cool. I don't think either of them are classic playable, but they're both they're both pretty nifty. You know what deck I immediately thought about for the double red one? Agro uh, Loam. Life from the Loam? No, Agro Loam, the legacy deck. With Countryside oh, Crusher and Dark Confidant and stuff like that. Yeah, because you, you're playing Mox Diamonds. You can get this guy down on turn one. Yeah, and you have Life from the Loam to like, just totally abuse it. What do, you, what do you think of his other two abilities, though? I mean, I feel like the second ability is pretty stupid. Yeah, I mean, neither of the abilities are, are amazing. Um, let me pull him up real quick so I can actually let you guys know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, so he's a red-red Planeswalker with two loyalty. And uh, plus one draw a card, then discard a card at random. Uh, minus four, T-Bolt, the Fiend-Blooded, which he's a devil Planeswalker, and I think that is just ridiculous awesome on the flavor uh, schedule. 
But uh, yeah, for a minus four loyalty, you can dome an opponent for however many cards they have in their hand. And then for minus six loyalty, you can gain control of every creature on the table, and then uh, they have haste. I don't know about the second ability. I mean, it doesn't seem that good. But then again, one theme that Wizards always likes to have in there that we haven't seen a lot of lately is the Owling Mine theme, which is draw a million cards. And every once in a while, there's a deck that's really good that has that. Um, In a deck like that, are you kidding me? This would be amazing if that was ever tier one in the standard. Like a, a, a deck that's playing, uh, what is it, the the Owl and the uh, Kitsuki Owl or whatever that thing is. And uh, Howling Mine and the one that draw two every turn and Fogs and I, I don't know. I mean, it'd have to be red, so this guy you know, would have to be heavy red. But that that's the oh, only way I could see that as really good. Um... I know, I know that this doesn't really count because everything is good in Commander, but he's probably at his best in Commander. That might be the only place where he sees real play unless there's some crazy graveyard-centric uh, deck that can actually support double red on turn two. You know, I was thinking about it, and I think this card might see play in like uh, other decks, like red deck wins, for example. I was just thinking about how I could play some of those, um, what are they, the, the, play it from the graveyard and have it exile it at the end of the turn? Oh, yeah, like, uh, the 3-1 haste guy. Exactly. And, and cards like that. I mean, red has some cards that you can, uh, get back to your hand somehow. I mean, even if it's, you gotta go with another color. This guy has some capability of being good. I mean, just... The thought of a two-mana Planeswalker kind of entices me a little bit. Yeah, I, I suppose you could go, you know, turn two, tick them up one, turn three, tick them up one, turn four, dome them for, like, five cards. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're getting the, uh... What the heck is it? The Hellspark Elemental? Is that its name? Um, yeah. With the Unearth? If you, if you get him in there, I mean, that's just combolicious. So, the other one, the other Planeswalker, has a ridiculous ultimate, but the front end is pretty lame, I think. Whoa, dude, are you kidding me? That front end is pretty awesome. I don't know. Alright, so, why don't you, why don't you lay it on us, Zach? What is Tamiyo? Okay, Tamiyo, comma, the Moon Sage. Uh, it's a three and double blue, which is really expensive for a Planeswalker. Keep in mind, JTMS, which is the Master Planeswalker, costs one colorless less than this. Um, and T-Bolt costs three colorless less. Yeah. And it's uh, it's got four loyalty. And plus one, tap target permanent. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Minus so two. So tight in every turn. Yeah. Minus two, draw a card for each tapped creature target player controls. And uh, as George was saying, the ultimate's pretty nuts. It's minus eight. You get an emblem with, you have no maximum hand size, and whenever a card is put into your graveyard from anywhere, you may return it to your hand. I guess my first question with this card is going to be the rule. When you do 8 for that emblem and this goes to the graveyard, do you return this to your hand? Um, I don't think so, because whenever, I think the way it works is whenever you click to use the loyalty, the loyalty gets subtracted and the effect goes on the stack. All right. I mean, or or the uh, 
if you plus it up one, you know, the loyalty goes up one, and then the effect goes on the stack. I mean, this this card, it, it's so, like, uh, first of all, I, I think the art's kind of cool. It's very, very it, different from the other cards that you see right now. It's way more car- cartoony, I want to say. Maybe it looks more anime. Uh, I don't well, know. It's a, it's a champion's block uh, race character. Yeah. It's the moon. It's a moon folk from Champions Block. It's definitely cool, and uh, I love the Frost Titan ability. I absolutely think that ability, especially in uh, slower formats than what we play, is undoubtedly amazing. You know, uh, tap something and slow them down for one whole turn at least, possibly way more. And well, see, I I actually like the draw card ability better because if you play this on turn five. Chances are that they have, like, three tapped creatures, maybe four if it's a beatdown deck. You get to draw two to four cards, and then they have to attack it the next turn. Seems pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that's definitely a better ability. The problem is you need something for that ability to happen. With the plus one, they'll always have lands or something else. With the minus two, there might not be, you know, especially in the kind of decks that I'm thinking about for this, which is, like, blue-black control or, like, real grindy strategies they might already wrath of god a couple times they might already counter every spell this oh is- sure i mean in a in a naked board the plus one ability is great but i i like the fact that you could out of nowhere just draw like four cards oh absolutely i mean that's just like a, a boom i don't know i mean i don't think this is going to be real playable in classic i'm not gonna lie um no i don't i don't even think this is really playable in legacy i'd, I'd like to have one i mean i would play with <laughs> the more of this kind of stuff that keeps coming out, and I gotta admit, I'm starting to really enjoy it. The more I'm thinking that I might like try something really stupid one day, like an all planeswalker deck, because um, you know, like mana drain into something. Yeah, there are some crazy planeswalkers out there now. Not to mention, you know, like the the high end ones that you'll never get out. Like Nicole Bolas is just insane. Uh, Nicole Bolas and Karn are just so good. Yeah, I mean, you'll never get the card on the table, but if you ever did, it would be a good game, no matter what. Well, maybe you should buy some Eurekas. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, anyway, back to uh, Classic. Yeah. Got a, a Planeswalker tangent there because of your love affair with Lily. I do. I do love me some Lily. Um, what, what we're going to look at next is like a meta breakdown of sorts with, uh, with I guess, emphasis on the MMOG-driven league. And before we get into it, MMOG, thanks again, buddy. We're, we're all super excited. Right, George? Yeah, it's great. I've been looking forward to it. All right, so you want to take us in here to the meta? All right, so we've got the running results, and I thought it would be cool if every week in the podcast we showed the results of the previous week. Um, But to start off, our event of 24 players, there are uh, a large aggro contingent with five decks sporting delvers, five decks sporting fish of various kinds, um, one affinity, and then one red deck wins. I wasn't sure if I should label it as aggro or combo, but I went with aggro. Uh, for combo, we've got four different storm decks. Um, two of them revolve around Lion's Eye Diamond, and two of them revolve around Gush and Tendrils of Agony. Alright. And then we've got two Cage Breaker Dredge decks, which I consider combo. And then bringing up the rear for control, we've got three completely different uh, of Druid decks. 
two different um, blue controlly decks, and then the red workshops. Very cool, very cool. So it's definitely a huge swath of different decks in this event. Um, when you yeah, all of the Delver decks are vastly different. Uh, for instance, my Grow deck I labeled as a Delver deck. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, it's it definitely cool. And not only that, if you look at it too, I think we have uh, all the Oath archetypes represented too. I saw there yeah, there's was... there's good game, there's Shoth, and then there's the Elish. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only one that's not, I guess, is Terastodon. Elephant. Could have been if we had just kept him in the sideboard. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's kind of cool, though, looking at the... There's not a real Workshops. Uh, like we were talking about before, uh, that red uh, Goblin Welder Workshops deck isn't like the old... I, I don't want to say it's very, you know, exact and, and, and completely the same as the old uh, Workshop strategy. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that it's actually kind of a bad choice. Um, I do I do like the Magus of the Moons in the deck, but other than that, I, I just don't like its chances in the event. Well, I, I think maybe now we can go through some of the first-round matchups. Um, yeah, I thought uh, we could try and predict the future here. I think that'd be cool, and it gives us a great opportunity to look like dumbasses. Or like geniuses, we'll see. <laughs> All right, so uh, round one. Uh, first matchup is Fishy Fellow, who's running Shoth, and Tommy Topdecker, who's running uh, Mono Blue with Delvers and Snapcasters. Um, what are your what are your thoughts here? Uh, my gut says that Shoth has a little bit of an advantage in the matchup. Yeah, I mean the thing about this is, and I, I'll really have to refer to Tommy Top Decker's deck to make sure about this. But unless he's running Jace, uh, well, he has he has Jace and he has Sower of Temptations mm -hmm. for the show and tells. I Bang. just I still think I like Fishy Fellow a little bit in this. All right. I mean, these are both pretty solid players, too. Tommy Topdecker and Fishy Fellow have been around. Uh, I've seen both of them participate in a lot of events, so should be a good match. Who do you who do you think is going to come out? Um, I don't really know. It's kind of a tough call. I'm really familiar with the Shoth deck, but um, I'm not as familiar with the Delver Snapcaster builds just because they were just starting to get popular when... I was pretty much done with Shoth, or, or I hadn't been playing it much. All right. I, I guess I guess I'll go with Shoth just because uh, you know out of fondness from the heart, but we'll see. All right. So who's the next one here? We got uh, Philip J. Fry playing Cagebreaker Dredge, and the Wild. I think I think I like Cagebreaker Dredge in this. So the Wild Dog playing Good Game Oath, I mean, that's like, uh, the one thing I'll say about that, I really think I like Good Game, Good Game Oath in this, and here's why. You talk about one person who knows Dredge better than anybody else, I think it's probably the guy who's playing against it. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I bet he knows the matchup a lot better than Philip J. Fry does. Well, I mean, that's not fair, but the Wild Dog is very good at the matchup. Yeah, what what that, that that's kind of like where I'm going with this. I think the wild dog's really going to know how to how to keep hands and sculpt them. Um, I do think on raw power level, Philip J. Fry has a huge advantage in Cagebreaker Dredge. Um, it has built-in uh, enchantment removal, 
In the um, main deck, yeah. Not only that, it's been proven time and time again that Dredge is just almost immune to Oath. It's like, all right, well, by the time I'm ready to put creatures on the board, I'm going to have 30. Do your best. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I do think I'd give Wild Dog a pretty fair chance. In this. I, I think I'd call that a coin flip 50-50. I won't really pick a winner in that one. All right. Um, next up, we have Enderfall, which is running uh, LED Bobstorm, and Cronin, which is Mono Blue Control, and what looks like a Mono Magic Eternal matchup. Yeah. Um, here, I'm going to go with Enderfall because I love LED Bobstorm. It, it might be my favorite deck that I don't actually own. Yeah, uh, LED Bobstorm is pretty ridiculous on, on the power level. Um, card for card, it's right up there with Dredge. I mean, those are. I, I, I think it's kind of funny that they were just back-to-back. I think those are the two most powerful in the format as far as just the brokenness on the first or second turn. Yeah, raw power level, I would, I would give them both a nod over everything else. And um, the, the only problem is Cronin is running a deck. Uh, and I, I think after game one, he's going to have the advantage. And the reason I say that is his his deck in game one, it's really built for the field. He has stuff like, uh, first of all, I, I want to give a hat tip to Cronin. It's, it's a really original deck. If any of you guys have taken time to look at it, it's running cards that you don't see very often. Like, uh, what's the blue enchantment, George? Uh, back to Basics. Yeah, he's running back to basics. Isn't he also running uh, the two mana to attack card? Uh, propaganda? I don't know. I thought he was. I don't know. He used to. But yeah, he, he's running some pretty uh, interesting choices in his deck. Um, he's running a lot of counter magic, as you'd expect, being mono blue. I think after game one, when he sizes some of that stuff out that he knows isn't going to be as good against Storm, like I don't think back to basics is going to be amazing against Storm. I think it's honestly yeah. going to be kind of superfluous, and he wants it out as soon as he can. But in other matchups, I mean, that card would be pretty amazing. Um, we'll see. I, I think I think I would give a hat tip to... Um, depends on how tight he plays, but I think Cronin has an advantage here after game one. Well, I like LED Bob Storm. However, I think that Cronin has more practice with blue control than Enderfall has with Bobstorm. Okay, fair. Fair enough. So uh, next up we have uh, Karakusk, which is running the Red Workshop deck, against Malpingo, which is running Deedstill. I'm going to give this to Deedstill. Yeah, I, I not to be mean, Karakusk, I'm sure you'll do fine in the event, but I think Deedstill, just, just by knowing they have pernicious deeds in there, are going to... And- and Karakusk isn't running the complete uh, Thorn Sphere package in his deck. Yeah, and if you give Deeds still a chance to build up his land base, it's going to just choke you. That's the point of the deck, is resource control and just winning on that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a ton more to say there. I like the Deeds still deck. I think it's really good for the event, and I... I I can't really say the same for Red Workshops. I, I think it's not as great with all the uh, little flying men running around. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, next up. What next up is uh, Kaunos with Rug Delver versus Gaines Banding with Bump in the Night, Rub Deck Wins. Gaines Banding, did you lose a bet? Is this just for giggles? Seriously, dude. 
Uh, I mean, you know, if you win, great. That's awesome. We're going to have people joining the events because they can do it with a $5 deck. Congrats. And that's the thing, guys. He's not doing this because he doesn't have the cards. <laughs> uh, what are you doing to us, Gage? Uh, it's funny. I, I definitely laughed when I saw your deck list. So if that's what you were going for, you know, to just brighten up somebody's day, you achieved it. All right, but I think... I hate it, but I gotta say, I think Red Deck Ones is gonna take that matchup. Yeah, I think I think it will too. Um, I don't know what Delver has to defend three, 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 three to the face. It's it's got mental missteps and force of wills. That's about it. And but then if it if it does if it draws that hand, then it doesn't draw all the creatures. So I don't know. And if he draws the creatures, the dude takes care of them, and then there's the inevitability factor of you have a bunch of uh, stuff, and I have a bunch of spells that just do damage. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Bump of the Night's getting flashed back at six, but it is another set of three to your face. Yeah. Which is, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm not going to talk too much smack, but I, I think I agree with you, George, and that I will be very whiny towards you, Mr. Gaines Banding, if you do well with this deck. Um, but good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up is me with the Grow deck versus Huffy Henry with a Bug Delver deck that, I mean, it looks like a Delver deck. It's got Delvers, it's got a bunch of creatures in it, but I think there's some card availability issues. There's only one Force of Will, there's a bunch of random different, like, one-ofs and two-ofs. That's why I kind of classified it as a toolbox deck. This is a really interesting deck. Um, I... I think I give you a slight nod here, but I want to say for one thing that if it were me that I would be looking out for big time is I would not open up any, 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 any chances for stifles. Because yeah, so when I saw the four stifles, that was rough since eight of my lands can get stifled. Well, yeah, and almost all of your effects, you want to rely on things that are triggered abilities. So Well, I mean, if he's stifling a plus one, plus one counter, I think I'm all right with that. Well, I'll just have to be careful to do it before I get into combat. That's what I'm saying. If It's fine if it's just a regular time, but if it's combat, that could be bad. Um, yeah, and, and some of these cards are strange. Like, Singleton Tarmogoyf? Is that right? Yeah. Hey, come out, play. Let's, let's see if you can beat me. Yeah. I, I, I hope you can't because I'd like to win. <laughs> That's honesty if I've ever heard it. This guy's also running Crosan Grip, which is not, um, it's not talked about a lot in Classic. I don't think it's, you know, it's really even mentioned a lot just because of the accessibility of stuff like Nature's Claim. But with the prevalence of, like, Mental Misstep, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's a great choice. You never know. I do, I do like me some Crosan Grip. Against you, I think it's pretty dead. I, it has no targets. I won't bring in my Graft Digger's Cages against him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this guy has a smattering of counter spells. Two Pierce, two Snare, three Misstep, one Force of Will. The, um, snares, the snares are problematic because they hit my Dryads. Yeah. Now the Singleton Mana Drain looks weird too. But yeah, I mean, not to pick on the guy. It looks like the deck's actually pretty cool. It has a Singleton Jace. Uh, we'll see what happens. It definitely... Yeah, I mean, 
Besides the ones and twos, it looks like a perfectly serviceable deck. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. With the Delvers and everything, it has stuff that can get get there. All right, his sideboard. Um, it looks like it's tilted towards uh, dredge and uh, shops with some uh, cross enchantment hate for oath. Yeah, I thought his sideboard was a little uh, dead burst, me. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be too worried about because like one of the cards that. I don't really understand here is Infest, because the the Infest is going to kill the kind of cards that he's running, like the uh, Delver of Secrets. So, it was, Infest is probably pretty good versus uh, Affinity, though. Okay, uh, yeah. I guess there are. Is there an Affinity deck in? There is, right? There is one. Okay. All right. So, uh, you, you like me a little bit. I, I like me a little bit, too, but I have a bias in the matchup. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, next up is me, and I'm playing against uh, Ilskin, and he's playing Illusions. And I gotta say, I'm not out of not wanting to jinx myself. I'm not gonna even pick myself because the one thing I'll say about Illusions is they have a ton of counter spells. But like you were saying too, they have no answer whatsoever for a Resolved Oath. There's nothing they can do. So, and they, they, can't, they can't even race your Oath either, because you just blow up their world when you resolve Oath. Yeah. And the Snapcasters, you know, they, they, they help the matchup, I think. He, he gets a lot more access to some of those cards that he can use more than once. Um, but we have Counterspells too, so we just got to play it smart. Um, I, I think I could take it, but I, I think I wouldn't like be like, oh, I'm a 70-30 or anything like that. I have no idea what my percentage would be. Uh, with all of his counter spells, I think I'd probably put you at like sixty forty. All right, fair because enough. you you do just have four auto wins in your deck. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, next up we got Mooncon and the Wolf Two, and that's Merfolk and Affinity. Um, I feel like Affinity is going to slaughter Merfolk. Yeah, I don't know how Merfolk can keep up with Affinity. I think that's probably his worst matchup. It's got to be up there. Like, uh, oh, you get to do Aether Vial? How about four creatures on turn one? Or even, like, I mean, how much more would he have wanted to play, like, Storm or something like that? I think he would have wanted to play any other deck besides Affinity in this list, in this uh, event. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, do you want to, who's the next one here? Oh, uh, we got Digi Digi 84 playing Cagebreaker Dredge versus Uvatha with Bant Noble Fish. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I really like Uvatha's deck, but I think Dredge is going to beat him upside the face. Yeah, Dredge is really strong. Um, it's such a linear deck that you really can't, you know, I guess. <laughs> I mean, historically, Dredge is Fish's worst matchup. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens, but I think I'd agree with you. I think it's maybe higher than a sixty forty um, percentage wise. Uh, next up, we have a really really uh, interesting matchup. We have a previous uh, season winner versus a guy who's really been doing well in the Classic Player of the Year race, and that's Corian thirty four and uh, Naoto. And they're bo both running a deck with the same uh, theme here. Gush Bob Tendrils. Same engines, but different middle of the game. Corrin is more combo-y with like, Dark Rituals and things. Uh -huh. And Naoto is more controlling. 
But their their end game is gush fast bomb Yogmoth will Kendrick of Agony. And what do you like in this kind of a matchup? I think I like Naoto because he just has all that practice with Gush. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of where my uh, my hat tip's going to come in too. I, I think I'm going to pick Naoto in this because he plays this deck and really something close to only this deck so much that I think it's kind of his baby at this point. And he's really the only player who's actually had success with Gush. Yeah, true. I mean, some people, you know, do well for one event, but he consistently just monies or wins events with Gush as the central part of his deck. Yep, this is true. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch, though. I definitely don't think Corian 34 is the kind of guy you can count out, especially considering he pulled out, I think it was season one, the inaugural season he won with uh, Workshops. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the Dark Rituals will actually give him a little bit of an edge, but I'm sure that Naoto already has scripted out the games and hasn't even played them yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, Naoto's a good good player, but, you know, the one thing that I'd say about this guy, Coin34, is how scary would it be to see, all right, cool, as long as he doesn't do anything turn one, I think I can win. Turn one, Dark Ritual, Necropotence, go. So yeah, dude, how freaking freaky would it be if uh, Naoto looked at him and he's like, all right, cool, as long as he doesn't do anything turn one, I think I can take this. And Corian 34 is like, all right, turn one, Dark Ritual, Necropotence, go. Well, I'm sure he would also draw like four cards first, but yeah, that would be, that would be the pits. <laughs> anyway, so it looks like a cool matchup there. Um, who's next? We got Calavera versus Exo13X. Merfolk and Esper Delver. Yeah, and um, wow, what do you think about that? I I think I like Merfolk. I think I do too. Any deck playing blue that doesn't have a quick end game against Merfolk is usually not going to be the favorite, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that uh, X though will make it close, but like on on the critical turn, I feel like Calvary will just be like two lords. All of them have Island Walk. Good game. I think it'll be really fun to take these decks and look back every week and see how close we were on our picks, too. Yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to set this up this way. All right, so last up we have Can Tripping, and he's running LED Storm versus Endless Nameless, who's running 4C Fish. What are you thinking here? 4C Fish, I believe, has stifles in it. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty... It's, that's pretty nice, especially with the Force of Wills and Metal Missteps, but LED Storm is really good. And Fluster Storm. Yeah, I think that maybe Endless Nameless has this because Cantripping is not running the bobs. You know, the, the thing that I'm looking at here, Endless Nameless has so many cards that he has to play that are just kind of trashy, and that's what makes me want to say at least game one, um, he's going to be a dog. Uh, game one, he has three birds, two swords to plowshares, uh, four trigon predators, which I guess are okay, they're passable, but I really don't want to tap three mana, and three noble hierarch, and 
other than that, it looks pretty good. It's got like, you know, Stifle, Tarmogoy, Force of Will, Flusterstorm, Mental Misstep, cards like that that are good in the matchup. But those ones that I mentioned first, that's a pretty large contingent. And one of those that you could also maybe call into question is Kasali Pride Mage, which while good, it's not great in that matchup. I mean... No, he has, he has a lot of really good reactionary cards. I guess he'll just have to try and either not tap out until he has like six mana, or risk running into the turn two I win hand from cantripping. I do like that he has another fluster on the sideboard. That's definitely going to help him. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm probably going to give the advantage to Storm though. I think I got to. Yeah, I, I think I'm giving it to Endless. Alright, so we differ on that one. Um, that that pretty much wraps up, uh, that's the week one, the important facts about MMOG's Prieg Season 4. And uh, yeah, thanks George for putting that together, and thanks MMOG again for running such a cool league. Next up, we wanted to talk about um, a card that was spoiled a day after we recorded and, uh, technically two days, but sure. Alright, fine. Two days. Anyway, this card is ridiculous. This card is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, card's name is Temporal Mastery. And it's, uh, it's one of these cards. Remember, we did go on a pretty good tangent about miracles, right? Yeah, we, we talked a lot about the Thunderous Wrath, I think it's called. Which is pretty amazing. I mean, that, there's no one saying that that card's not good. But, this card kind of overshadowed it, because the effect of this card and the cost of this card really took us back to the days of glory. And, let's just read the card. Uh, card's name's Temporal Mastery. It's a mythic rare, and it's a sorcery. It costs five and two blue. And the text on this card is, take an extra turn after this one, exile Temporal Mastery. Alright, not a good card, seven mana. Time Walk? No. Doesn't seem Terrible. Good. Time Walk is much better than that. Seriously. Oh, wait. It says Miracle. Miracle cost. And to do a Miracle, before I tell you the Miracle cost, uh, you may cast this card for its Miracle cost when you draw it. If it's the first card you draw this turn, uh, what does that mean? That means for a cost of one and a blue mana, you can play this card. As long as it's the first card you draw on that turn. And an important thing to note is it says that turn. Yeah. So if you draw it on your opponent's turn, you can cast it for its miracle. This card is Time Walk. Agreed? Um, for 95% of gameplay scenarios, I agree. That's enough for me. You have a card that is considered not even questionably one of the Power 9 cards in Magic. It is a ridiculous effect at a ridiculous cost in a color that is ridiculously able to foster all of the conditions that you need for this card to be its best. I don't understand how they can uh, print something like this and expect people like George and myself not to get all warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, this card... This card in modern-day magic is just 100% upside. Let's look at the, the newest decks that are doing well. And, and I think that would probably have to be the Delver decks, right? Correct. 
Okay, and the Delver decks have one thing on their mind, and that's library manipulation. They want to make sure, at all costs, that Delver flips the first turn. With a scenario like that and a deck like that, what would make one think that a card that is good for manipulating libraries that can give you a freaking time walk would be a good card to print? Yeah. I... I really don't know how they actually printed this card. I mean, maybe they know that they're going to have to ban it or restrict it or ban or restrict other cards because of it, and they're fine with that, but come on. I don't want to be the harbinger of doom, okay? But I will say, I like Legacy a lot. I think this will be the final... I guess straw that broke the camel's back in regards to Brainstorm. Or this card. One well, of the two. I think it would be Temporal Mastery, because if you if you ban Brainstorm, you still have Sensei's Divining Top, Ponder, and Preordain to help uh, set up your deck. They're nowhere near as good. You have to tap out to use all those. I, I mean, this is... You're, you're right, it's true. I mean, you can't, you can't, if you're going to do that and you want Temporal Mastery early, you're going to have to tap mana to do that. With Brainstorm, you can wait until their end step and you can just rape the board. Um, Brainstorm, especially with Fetchlands, Brainstorm as an instant is just, you know, one of the most broken cards out there. And all this card would do would really be to prove that. Yeah, I, I expect Temporal Mastery to do a lot of stuff while it's legal. Let me pause for one sec here, Georgie. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just think uh, it's it's definitely going to make it hard for Brainstorm to survive. I mean, it's it's quite possible that Temporal Mastery gets Brainstorm ba uh, restricted in Classic as well. Agreed. I mean, it is. Or, or some of the other cards on this list that we put together. Well, let's go through it real quick. What do you got? All right, so... I first put together the cards I think go exceptionally well with Temporal Mastery. Um, if, for some reason, it's in your hand, there's Brainstorm, Jace the Mind Sculptor, and Scroll Rack that can all just put it on top of your deck for when you draw it next turn. Fair enough. Um, and I, I think that these are the... Well, maybe not Scroll Rack, but Brainstorm and Jace, I think, are probably the best cards that you can play with Temporal Mastery. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd put Scroll Rack right under the next three. Yeah, the next three are um, floating the Temporal Mastery from the top of your deck to the actual, like, first card that you would draw. And that's uh, Sensi's Divining Top, Ponder, and Preordain. And actually, I guess I'd put Scroll Rack a little bit ahead of Preordain, because if you look at Preordain real close... It's not as good as it looks. Um, you only get to look at two cards, and one of them you have to draw. So either it's in your top two, and you have to either take a card that you might not want, or you just have to get exceptionally lucky. Yeah. So Ponder digs three deep, and that's one of the things we were talking about. That's a really amazing effect. Ponder actually has something that Brainstorm doesn't, and that is the ability to reach four deep. If you don't yeah, see the, what you want the ability to, to just shuffle your deck is not to be overlooked. Yeah, and, and think about reaching four deep. If you're late in the game and there are 30 cards left, that's one in every seven and a half cards in your deck you're going to see. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, so the, those two, then Scroll Rack, then Preordain. And then what's under that? 
then we've got cards that just put it directly on top of your deck. Um, Mystical Tutor, Imperial Seal, and Vampiric Tutor are no strangers to Classic. Uh, any deck with Temporal Mastery is bound to have some of these in it. Interestingly, there might be a strong case for four Mystical Tutors besides uh, Shoth. Yep. Mystical Tutor is definitely one of those cards that's going to be a lot better with this. Um, you get any kind of board advantage, especially if it's a fast clock, and Mystical Tutor is an amazing card to have. Um, and then there's Noxious Revival, which you have to do a little bit of work to get it to work, because if you actually do cast the Temporal Mastery, it gets exiled and doesn't go into your graveyard. But if you're trying to do some kind of weird Gifts Ungiven thing, it does put it right on top of your deck. Yeah, and I'm also thinking, I'm like looking, you know what I just thought about for, for Modern is, uh, what is it? Is it Well-Laid Plans, the card that puts it three down? Oh, uh, Long-Term Plans, long -term maybe? Long-Term Plans, that's it. Um, and then there's another card that, at the moment, there's no image. I'll add it into the article, though, is Doomsday. Yep. Which lets you set up four Temporal Masteries. What you would do with four Temporal Masteries, I'm not sure, but that's the option that you could do. I'd assume it'd be win the game. You, well, yeah, but you're not going to be winning the, the game with the one card in your deck that's not Temporal Mastery. Yeah, okay. And then uh, lastly, I think we have the other... Lastly, what if it's in your hand and you can't get rid of it? I mean, this is... I think lastly you could say this is the reason why the card's so damn good. Yeah, this is the reason for at least Legacy and Vintage and Classic that everybody is like, oh! You can't make a card like this blue and have cards like Force of Will, which, you know, has been called, at least in Vintage, the glue of the format. It needs to be blue! This card is useless in your hand, it is blue, and it helps with Force of Will. It's... It, it's good. It's... The, Temporal Mastery is all upside. I, I mean... And i got to say, especially to my buddy Andy, we've been talking this week, and Andy and I actually had a nice little debate. He told me that he thought this card was overrated. And I said, you and George loved Past in Flames, and you're saying this card is overrated. <laughs> you can't do that. This card is Time Walk. It's for, for the purpose of the card it is, and the color it is, and the functionality the effect has, Miracle. I mean, look at look at this list of the combo cards. Every single card, except for Scroll Rack, Preordain, and Noxious Revival, see competitive play all the time. A lot of it. And, and look, if you looked in our format, okay, SDT does not have a lot of competitive play right now. Preordain, not a lot of competitive play. Noxious Revival, not a lot of competitive play. I'd even say Misdirection, not a ton of competitive play. But well, I think that's a product cards. of how long we've had it in the system. Yeah, but look at the other cards. Look at the quality. You've got Force of Will. Just listen and, and think if these are the cards you want in your collection. Force of Will, Vampiric Tutor, Imperial Seal, Mystical Tutor, Ponder, Jace, Brainstorm. Hello, if you play blue at all, you want all of these cards. Yeah, they're already in your deck. Or at least your binder. Or, or your digital binder, that's true. And then, what do we got next, buddy? Uh, Alright, so then we've got the cards that are very powerful, but don't go actually very well with Temporal Mastery. Um, so, 
Thirst for Knowledge, Standstill, and Gush are all cards that draw multiple cards. And, for the most part, you've probably already drawn your card for the turn. So, you know, playing any, activating or playing any of these spells on your turn, you're probably never going to Miracle Temporal Mastery. See, I, I if you see. can time it right, you can do it on your opponent's turn, but still, the fact that they draw more than one card at a time um, is kind of anti-synergistic with Temporal Mastery. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I, I wouldn't put Gush on this list. I think you ponder or preordain and put it on top and Gush in their upkeep, not a bad card. Uh, I, I agree with you, but I feel like you have to do too much work to make Gush good with it. Hmm, okay, I mean... I would say the same thing for Sensei's Divining Top, though. Really? I'd be like, I'd be like oh... One kind of investment that sets up your deck for the rest of the game? No, that, that's what I'm saying, though. If you're playing, like, a Ponder or a Brainstorm, you're already doing the same thing. And then you're just doing what Gush always does. Uh, I mean, I suppose so. I, I just thought draw two cards, it's less less good. Without... It doesn't... See, the reason that I like uh, Sensei Top is because by itself... It sets up your deck, and Gush just doesn't. I, I, I kind of wonder why Sensei's Divining Top... I mean, I guess it's just because it doesn't do anything, but even with cards like... Um, what is it? Uh, Voltaic Key. It's ridiculous. Yeah, somebody remembers their playtesting from the other night. Yep, yep, yep. So, hold on one sec. So the other cards on here, Factor Fiction, Gifts Ungiven, Snapcaster, Yogwell, and Regrowth, I fully agree with. I even agree with the first two, Standstill and Thirst. They're all good, and I think all these cards are... Look, the two of the bottom three, you don't need that card to be good with. You don't need that card to be good with Snapcaster, Yogmoth's Will. Chances are you have enough other cards to abuse those with. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a big deal at all. Uh, either one of those, to tell you the truth. Um, but yeah, the other cards I don't think you're going to see a lot in, in the decks like this. I think these are going to be real focused. And the the irony of the format is the more, I guess, powerful they make these creatures, like the Snapcasters and the Delvers of the world, the more you're going to see these targeted packages of just really impressive spells together. I mean... Even a couple of years ago in Classic, you had just like these loose strategies that were taking home the bacon. But now it's like this real targeted stuff, like gush-based engines and stuff like that. Whereas before, you know, didn't we have decks like uh, Bomberman doing well? Yeah, Bomberman, uh, Tombstalker, Trinket Mage. Exactly. I mean, they were just like looser strategies. And now it's like you have to be so targeted. And you have to, you have to um, I guess, compete with all these linear strategies like Dredge and, and Workshop and, and Storm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's the natural evolution. Yeah, as we as we got the more powerful cards, uh, Time Vault and Library of Alexandria and all these other cards, uh, the format card pool did shrink because we've got the most powerful things you can do. You have to have the most powerful versions. Yep. Well, that's very cool, and I think uh, we can speak for the whole Classic community and probably the Legacy and Vintage community by saying we cannot wait to cast our first Temporal Master. Oh, my goodness. Um, there's also, you know, something to think about for Temporal Mastery, hopefully for next week as well. A little surprise we were doing. What's that? 
Oh, just a little questionnaire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look forward to something next week. It'll be uh, pretty cool. Um, so, before we round out the podcast for this week, we wanted to mention one more time uh, the other event that's getting ready to happen here, George. You have more info on this. You want to go through it real quick? Yeah, so, Blippi the Slug is hosting an Eric Freiburg celebration event for his birthday, which is May 4th. Um, fantastic, enjoyed classic the best. So, this is going to be a classic event, and there is... A United States slash North America time slot and a Europe time slot. So there's actually two different events with a prize pool that is approaching $1,000 in value. That is pretty nuts. Um, there are a lot of people donating, a lot of bots. Uh, even Wizard of the Coast has kicked in, I think they said, 20 draft sets of IPA. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, and you don't even have to win to get some prizes out of this there's door prizes for all kinds of different things and uh there's it's also encouraged that if you want to give in prizes make a a claim such as the one that Winterwolf did where he's willing to give the highest placing red deck wins uh deck that has at least one match win a free plateau i believe oh cool so yeah if you want to see somebody do something crazy and give them a little bit of initiative to do it, here's here's a perfect chance. Definitely. Sounds cool. So, uh, so I'll keep our eyes open for that. I might be signing up for that as well. I mean, that kind of a prize pool, you, can you really go wrong? A free event where it gives you, I think first place right now is somewhere in the realm of over 100 tickets uh, in value. Seems pretty good. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty much it for this week, buddy. You have anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, well, not, we got, uh, we got one response for the classic challenges last week. Um, and that was Cronin saying that he is still hosting the 4-0 with four minds desires for a foil flash and foil flash is, you know, pretty good. And there are not a lot of workshop decks. So get out there and try it. Flash is one of those decks you might want to take to that hamtastic challenge. Uh, I think that I will be taking Cinnamon Toast Crunch to the Fantastic Challenge. Oh, look at you. Look at me being a shark. All right, guys. Well, uh, I think that's it for this week. We wanted to, as always, give a shout-out to our hosts and our sponsors, PureMTGO.com and MTGOTraders.com. See you guys next week, and uh, as always, let us know if there's anything you want to hear about in the comments. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you guys.